this is the passage on which today's sermon has been prepared is the third psalm. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear through tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. This is the reading of God's word. Uh, There's an old adage in hiring practices or business practices, hire smarter people than yourself. Uh, I took that and I said, great, I'm going to have smarter people than me preach. So we had Efron and Mike preach uh, the last two weeks and they did an outstanding job. Mike Vetters preached last week on Psalm 34 in which David was, was struggling he was on the run, as Mike pointed out in, a, in the third psalm. He referenced that as he talked about fear. Today, we're going to do part two of fear. And the psalm that he referenced in speaking about Psalm 34, the third psalm, is what we're going to preach on today. And here's why this is important. Here's what I want you leaving with today. And I can say this definitively because Scripture says this definitively. We need some work to understand it completely. Anxiety has no place in the gospel at all. Scripture actually commands, it says, do not be anxious. Now, for Scripture to say, do not be anxious, it's not just saying hyperbole. It's not just saying a good suggestion. It's not just saying, well, this might be a nice thing for you to do one day. It is saying, you, God's people, do not be anxious. It's a command. It's an imperative. It's, it's, it's to us, for us. And as Mike preached about fear of man and fear of God last week, today I want to go back through Psalm 3. I know many of you have very, very detailed notes of when I first preached on this last year. I know you brought them with you. I know you can remember just like that, okay? But for those of us who can't remember when I preached on Psalm 3 last year, Psalm 3, when we preached on it last year, I wanted to talk about how we should not run from feelings, from emotions, that actually bad feelings, good feelings, feelings of all kind should be embraced of sorts. Now, I was encouraging us not to become stoic or emotional with that. And that was the, the main thrust of it, just like David was real and, and honest and open. Today, I want to talk about how you work through your anxiety. How you work through your anxiety from Psalm 3. And in order to do so, I need to define a little bit more what I mean by anxiety. I do not mean by anxiety the way in which our bodies chemically need help to process through certain things that are happening inside of us. That's not what I'm talking about. I am not talking about fear in which you are uh, on a train track and trains barreling at you and say, whoa, Scripture tells me to have no fear. I will not fear this train. Fear the train. Please fear the train. I have no fear. I'm going to do whatever I want with my money. Please fear bankruptcy. Don't be silly. Don't be unwise. There's a difference between fear that is healthy and fear, anxiety that is crippling based upon our identity. And the Christian response, the gospel response is this, anxiety, fear of loss of identity is something that is granted to us by God, remedied in his cross and given us a new body, a new life, a new identity that, is, that is, cannot fail. It's bulletproof. It cannot be assailed. Death can't defeat it. Man, mankind can't defeat it. 
The only way for you to deal with your anxiety properly is to die to yourself and take on a new identity. Because if I was to play a fun game and I was to sit down with you for hours and hours and hours. Remember, I've told you before, if I give people long enough to talk, I'll know everything because people just can't help talk about themselves. Is your, is your personhood, is your identity, are your successes, your achievements, who you are, what you've thought, what you've done, are they really that impressive? Or, or do you have a lot of embarrassing things that have happened in your life, some point, somewhere, sometime? If you haven't, again, I've said this before, we need to have a meeting. If you think to yourself, no, I, I put me up on a pedestal and let me preach of how great I am, we need to speak today. Rather, if you say to yourself, no, 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 I, my, my identity is not that great. My, my name is not that great. I don't want to trade on that name. I, want to, I don't want to do that at all. Ah, you see the, new, the need for a new identity. If you are struggling with anxiety that is crippling, as we talk about it in terms of, of something happening in your physical body that you need help with, that's not what I'm speaking about today. That is a real thing that needs addressed. I am speaking today about the identity, the, the emotion, as we talked about emotions from our Proverbs series, the center seat of our heart in which we make all decisions from our core foundational element of who we are. Anxiety has fled from that with the gospel. So today, if you are anxious, if you are fearful, hear this. In Christ, anxiety flees. Outside of Christ, anxiety will crush you. In Christ, anxiety flees. In Christ, it's gone. Outside of Christ, it's your daily life. Without Christ as your anchor, without Christ as your shield, as we're going to come to understand, it is crippling to wake up every day. How do we get that? I want you to see reality Use the, use the shield and then see the people. See reality, use the shield, and see the people. First and foremost, in Psalm 3, David is very, very real and authentic with his emotions. He's actually very fair with his emotions. He's actually very transparent. Now, if you were to read Psalm 3 on your own, you'd say, hold on, wait a second. David's fair and real? Okay. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. That doesn't seem like a fair and rational expression. That seems, that seems kind of angry, David. What are you doing? Now remember, this is David who is on the run from his son. His son literally wants to kill him. He has lost the title of king. He's lost his people. He's lost his throne. He's lost his culture. He's lost comfort. He's lost his home. He's in caves and in hillsides. He's all alone. He's lost his armies. He's lost everything. Imagine if, you were, uh, if we were Harrison Ford in a great fugitive movie and we had nothing and we were out on our own, we were running, we were accused of killing somebody. Nobody would give us any help. Nobody would give us any uh, 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 money. We had to beg and borrow for it. That's David. He's on the run. People wanted to kill him. People wanted to capture him. His own son. Now, really quick, I need you to hear this as we dive into Psalm 3. Have you ever been in such a bad position that your children literally want to murder you? That's a bad life. Have you been to that point where you are on the run as a fugitive from the law, an army? That's a bad life. 
See, the reality of the situation is many of us today need to understand David's plight, and David's plight is real. David's plight is incredible. David's plight is something that we probably haven't experienced, and yet he's so real. So when he says, strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked, it's fair. He's been unjustly accused. He's been hated for no reason. Selfishness. Anxiety of somebody else has led to this. Break the jaw, my enemies. Now, we read that and go, oh, oh, David, you, you're, you're just being dramatic. Oh, woe is you. Yes, yes, yes. But I want you to, to realize something about how the Bible is written. I know this, this seems fundamental, but please bear with me. David wrote this down. David kept this. This went through many other people in the Christian faith. This went through the church, and they put it into the Bible. They had every chance to remove this. David has every chance not to, to broadcast this. This is his journal. He didn't have to let people know this was going on. He didn't have to share this, did he? And yet he did. And yet he wrote it down. See, there's a difference. If we were to look in David's life in the moment he's in a cave being chased by his son, wanting to be killed and removed of everything else, we might see a man who is not that secure, Right? We might see a person who is what we would call freaking out, who's losing their mind. And yet what he did is he processed his emotions, he wrote them down, and he did two things. Notice this. Notice this. He wrote it down, he processed it, he journaled it, meaning he didn't shy away from it. Meaning he didn't say, oh, no, 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 that was a fleeting emotion. Ah, that's, that's okay. That was, I, was, I was having a bad moment. He doesn't say that. It was canonized. It was made the eternal word of God. If it was a fleeting emotion, you know what would have happened to this? It would have been chafed in the wind. It would have been removed. How many of us dismiss our fears and anxiety? We don't process them because we think, oh, that was just a bad day. Oh, that was just a one-off. Look, we all have our moments. David doesn't say that. He doesn't do that. He processes it. He writes it down. He memorializes it. How many of you today are not memorializing your anxiety, but rather you're dismissing it and walking over it far too easily? You're thinking to yourself, well, I, I shouldn't be anxious. Let's just, let's move on from this. God is my refuge, and you say a couple of chanting hymns, and you move on. That religiosity will kill you. Conversely, notice what he didn't do either. He didn't censor himself. David had every chance to make himself sound good. When my enemies were attacking me, I prayed for them. No, you didn't. You wish God would break their jaws. You wish God would enact justice for you. You asked for a kinsman redeemer. How many of you are running from things and not being real and true to what's actually happening in your life right now? How many of you how many of you find it comfortable to use excuses, to comment on circumstances? How many of us right now are using a, a pandemic to excuse our rationale, our hope, our behavior? We are just like sponges and things in life just wring us out and what comes out of you in the midst of this, that's not fake, that's real. What's being wrung out of you right now in the crucible of life? 
that like David needs to be addressed fairly and realistically and without editorial comments and without fear, but just as real and honest as you can get. And here's the third thing that's very unique about this. If I understand the author above all authors in Scripture, it is God is the author above all other authors in Scripture, right? Why did, why did God, why in his, his sovereign grace did he allow this passage to become part of Scripture? Here's my, here's my guess, and here's the best way I can give you an example of this. I'm reading a book right now on uh, the Underground Railroad to end slavery and free slaves. And there's these letters pinned by those who were slaves, those who are free, those who helped the slaves be removed from their servitude, from their giving them freedom. And there's one that's just, it was gut-wrenching to listen to, to hear, to read. And this is what she said. She says in it, it is too cruel a thing to make syllable the grief of their pain. It is too cruel a thing to write letters about those who are enslaved, who are on the road coming out of losing their freedom into a free place. It's, it seems immoral for me to write about. It seems lacking to put pen to it. It seems so stupid to write about this because it doesn't signify, doesn't carry the weight of the incredibleness of their, of their plight, of their sin. And she was speaking about box men, as they were called, in which human beings were shoved into boxes, nailed up in crates, thrown straw over, and put on trains for days on end from the south up to the north. And when they got there, they had to wait until somebody came and picked them up like a UPS package and then free them. Now, this might sting some of you right now. I think this is why God chose in his sovereign grace to put this in here. Let me just put it as bluntly as I can. Suck it up. Suck it up. Whatever you think you're dealing with in life right now, are you put into a box and put on a train for three days with no food and water, hoping that you survive to see your family one day? Suck it up. Now, how, how can I say that? That seems stoic. That seems mean. What did David do? Look at, look at what David did. Did David say, oh, woe is me. My enemies are thousands around me. They're not dead. Oh, I'm so done. And did he just like fall to the side and be done with it? No, he wrote about it. He pinned it. He journaled it. He processed it. Church, maybe the best thing you can hear from me today is this. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever anxiety you have, don't be overcome by it. You know how you you stop being overcome by it? Suck it up. Now, how to do that? Ah, I'm glad because that's not enough. I can't just say suck it up. You go, great, that's religion. Great, that's just law. That's not helping me. You're right, so let me try to give you two other things to help you in sucking it up. See the reality, be real with it. Don't be over-emotional and don't be under-emotional. The second thing is use the shield. It says, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head. What is David talking about here? Now, we get for a moment to talk about every Roman gladiator war movie you've ever seen. I have a couple questions for you that seem very fundamental. What is a shield used for? It seems, it seems very stupid, doesn't it? What is a shield used for? It's used to protect those in an army. It's used to protect those in battle. It's used as those who are infantry moving forward and advancing on enemy territory. That's what a shield is used for. And a shield, you, you, O Lord, are a shield around me. Now, we're not talking, uh, the only thing I can think of is in Braveheart, um, I forget which character had that little like hand shield. That was basically like a serving dish. I'm like, what are you doing with your life, man? Like, 
Give me the door one. Give me the one that's like, you know, six inches thick. We're not talking serving shield around your hand. We're talking castle door around you, encircled you, enclosing you to protect you as you advance the kingdom. Now, I think scripture is very, very specific. I think scripture is very, very intentional. Why did David say, you will order a shield around me, the lifter of my head? Why did he say that? What is he doing? He's saying this, and he needs us to hear this today. I need you to understand how to use a shield. If you try to take a shield of any kind, and let's say you try to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with it, how's that sandwich turning out? Mangled in a mess. You're not going to have anything to eat. If you use a shield to start your car, how's that going to go? You're going to be sitting a long time. You have to understand the proper use of the shield, don't you? The best way I can show you how to, how to use a shield is to show you two ways in which it never gets worked. If you, if you understand, okay, my anxiety cannot cripple me. In the gospel, my anxiety flees. I cannot be somebody who is inundated with fear. How do I do that? Okay, I suck it up. How do I suck it up? You use God as a shield around you. You know when a shield is useless? When it's on the floor. If you have a shield and you put it in front of you and you face the army and say, ha, I'm protected, you're not. You have to be using it. You have to pick it up. It has to be active. It has to be something that you are doing actively as you are advancing the kingdom. And that's the second thing. You know when a shield is not very useful? When you're running. A shield only works when, when arrows, when things are coming at it. If you tuck tail and run, guess what happens to your shield? It's useless. You know what God is saying when he says, when David says, thou, O Lord, are a shield around me, he's saying this. God, the only way that I can understand you're my fortress, you're my refuge, you're my hope is if I'm going through my grief, if I'm going through my anxiety, if I'm going through my fear, if I'm confronting it, if I'm battling it, if I'm fighting the good fight. Many of us choose this way of dealing with fear and anxiety constantly. We change circumstance. Don't we? Well, if, if I just, uh, if I get a new house, I'll be happy. No, you won't. If I got a new job, I'll be happy. No, you won't. If, if I get a new spouse, I'll be happy. No, you won't. Because you know what's going to happen the entire time? Your fear anxiety? Guess who it's connected to? Not the house, not your car, not your job, not your spouse. Your fear anxiety is connected to you. You have it in you, and wherever you go, it goes. See, it's very easy to sit and say, well, if I change my circumstance, if I do something different, everything will be right. Actually, what God says is this. There's no other way through your anxiety to deal with your anxiety, to not have an identity crisis in which all of your titles, your son wants to kill you. You thought you were a good mother, and now your child wants to kill you. You thought you were a good employee, and you're not, no longer hireable. You thought you were a good moralist and you got found out to be a fraud because of whatever happened last weekend. See, when those things hit us, when those emotional things strike us and, and, and hit us, we can tuck tail and run. We can say, no, 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 I, I can't deal with this. I'm out. And you'll get an onslaught of pain because God is your refuge. God is your shield only works as you're pressing into it. Church, my question for you is this. Are you running from your anxiety thinking that circumstances will change it? Or are you facing it 
front on saying, the only way my shield, God as my identity works, is if I pick it up and I press in. Now, last thing about the shield, encircling him. What do you encircle your life with that you think is impenetrable, that ultimately will fail you? What are you currently encircling yourself with that you think is impenetrable? People, they will fail you. Uh, uh, I, I, I have good influences. I have good, good music and, and, and good food and good things. That doesn't promise anything. A, a one bad turn by one driver and your life is over. It's done. You're no longer protected. My livelihood, my, my business downturns happen all the time. When you encircle yourself with things that are, that are permeable, that can come in, you will inevitably get hit by an arrow or a sword. It's like going into battle with Tupperware as your shield. You will die. Everything man-made in this world that encircles you is Tupperware. Ah, but if your life is encircled, if your life is wrapped up, nay, there was this, this Roman tactical advancement called the turtle. That's what I read. And the turtle was this, there would be uh, uh, soldiers on the front line and soldiers on the back line, and when they would say so, the soldiers on the front line would put their shields in front of them, and the, the soldiers on the back would put their shields above them, and you couldn't break this thing. It was impenetrable. And they would just advance slowly and surely, one foot at a time, and you would see this monolithic shell coming at you, and you'd have no recourse. You were done. You, you couldn't do anything, because they were lost in the shield. Each soldier was lost in the shield. They were wrapped up. It became their identity. They were the turtle. They weren't soldier one, two, three, and four. They were encircled. Do you boast about your own good works or Christ's good works more? Do you talk about your dreams or God's dreams? Do you talk about your kingdom or God's kingdom? See, the more you talk about man-made kingdom, man-made things, your things, the more you're using Tupperware to protect you. The more you get encircled and entrapped and ensconced and surrounded by the identity of Christ, ah, the more you're protected. What's his identity? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the identity. The more you say, but I want to live, but me, but this, but I. You're not using the shield. You're using self. And anxiety will cripple you. You'll get hit by an arrow, I guarantee you, and you'll die. It'll undo you. You won't be able to recover. Christ as the shield means this. My only hope is nothing less than Jesus Christ on the cross and his righteousness. I dare not utter a single name, but only focus on the holy name of Jesus Christ. If you do that, ah, uh, what can be taken from you? If nothing else in your life, if all of your life is on the holy name of Jesus Christ that conquered death and defeated sin, what can be taken from you? The answer is nothing. What arrow can assail you? Nothing. What sword can pierce you? Nothing. Well, you're a horrible father. I know I am. But Christ has redeemed me. You're a horrible employee. I know, right? You fail morally. Guilty again. See, the assaulting of the emotions of our identity, nothing can touch because I get to say this. When somebody says, you're imperfect, I don't know, he is perfect. 
You're not working hard enough for the kingdom. I know, but he died for the kingdom. You're not preaching well. I know, but Christ preached perfectly. Do you see? The second we stop saying me and I is the second we start saying him and we get to boast on his good works, not our good works. And everything after that is to say amen, amen, amen. He has not failed. He has not been defeated. He has defeated everything. That's what it's like to use the shield. So in moments when you're anxious, guess what it it shows in you? It shows you're not using the shield. If you get upset about something and you can't stop fixating on it for 48 hours, two hours. If it ruins your day, guess what just got exposed? It's called a symptom of an illness. You're not using the shield. You're getting wrapped up in something else, not wrapped up in Christ. Use the shield properly, people. And then last, David says at the end of the psalm, he says this, deliver me, my God, strike all my enemies in the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. And this is the last line. Being deposed of his throne on the run, his son wanted to kill him. He says this, may your blessing be on me. No. May your blessing be on my people, your people, God's people. You know who the most anxious people in life are? those who can't stop thinking about themselves. If you are anxious, you know what you're doing? You're navel-gazing. You're looking at yourself. You're thinking of yourself all the time. Let me just ask you this. In the last year, have you been anxious? The answer is yes. From that time, when you were at your lowest, did you think the world was over? Nothing was ever going to go right for you. How are you today? Let me take a guess. It's probably not the best it could be. But are you on the run on the lamb and your son wanting to kill you and having no title, no family, no citizenship? Probably not. It's probably not as bad as you thought, right? It's probably not the worst in the world. You probably need to look back and go, there is pain, there is real pain in the world, people. There is death and destruction that needs to be addressed. But the only way you could do that is if you stop thinking about yourself and you start thinking about God's people. You become one of the shields in the turtle, not out on your own. Uh, My son right now is going through a lot of National Geographic uh, shows. And he likes snakes, which is the grossest thing in the world. I hate snakes. Indiana Jones and I get along really well. Why? There have to be snakes. But in it, there, there's, there's clearly like, you know, African Serengeti kind of um, uh, hunting and that sort of thing. What's, what's the one thing that predators do to prey in a herd? What's the one thing they do? Separate the sick one from the herd. <laughs> Get them alone. Get them on their own. And then I will devour them. Do you know how you stop using your shield and you become anxious and fear cripples you? When you think the world revolves around you when you think you're deserved things, when you think, now look, I've said this sometime in my life, and is this a truism of God's affection for you? Yes. Is this true of his salvation? No. If you said, well, if God, God only died, would only die for only me, yes, he has affection to that level for you. But if you think salvation is all about you, you've missed the point of salvation. What does David say at the end? David says, I'm on the run. I'm being hunted. Everything is awful. Woe is me. God bless me. No. He says, God, 
Bless your people. If you want to know how to get out of an anxious heart real quick, do this. Serve. Serve. Be part of community. Be part of fellowship. Listen to other people. Uh, Earlier on in my life, I I was just starting off. Hale and I were were just married, and we had this uh, medical need in the family that was going to be a monthly occurrence, and it was going to cost me... I was speaking with a pharmaceutical rep, and I said, oh my gosh, I don't know how we're going to afford this. It's such a high monthly cost. It's so ridiculous. I don't know how to do it. And he said, well, how much is it going to be? I was like, it's going to be $75 a month. And he laughed at me. And he said, oh, you. The second he started telling me about other people, the second I started seeing other people, the second I start communicating in fellowship with other people, the second my eyes are open, my ears are open, and I go, oh, oh, oh. Think of God's people, not just your situation. Because you know what God cares most about? His people. Are you one of his people? Yes. Yes and amen. Are you special? Nah. Probably not. Not special like you think the world revolves around. Special as in Christ looked upon you and said, you are my son, you are my daughter with whom I'm well pleased? Yes and amen. Yes and amen, he thinks that. The second we start saying to ourselves, can you say, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Can you say that? You can't. Why? Because Christ said that. Start thinking of his people, and you'll stop thinking. You'll, you'll stop thinking about your plight. Or as Tim Keller puts it, self-forgetfulness is not thinking of yourself as less. It's thinking less of yourself. Stop focusing on your own life. I guarantee you, anxiety will flee. Guarantee it. Okay, here are the two things I want you to remember. As you understand, you need to see reality, you need to be real. It can't be stoic, you can't edit. You have to be real, you have to process. You have to press into it, use the shield properly. Be encircled by his grace, by his identity, not by your identity. The more you raise up your identity, the more arrows will pierce you and you'll be hurt by them. And lastly, think of his people, not just yourself. Here's how to do it. I'm going to give you two challenges this week. First challenge is this. If you're thinking to yourself, okay, those are are great things. How do I apply those? I'm going to give you two suggestions. One, think of the person right now you can't stand the most. You hate them. They're your enemy. They've done horrible things. They've said horrible things. They've wanted horrible things. Pray for them. Pray that God blesses them. But, but David says, strike the enemies in the teeth. Yeah, he did. Those are people who are murdering and ravaging God's people. Is that what's happening with your enemy? How about this? The person that you look at and go, oh, you stupid, stupid, uneducated fool. I need to educate you. How about this instead? Stop and pray for them. Pray that they're blessed. Pray that they're, pray that they're happy. Pray that they have a better life than you do. Doesn't that gall you to think about that person right now? Good. The gospel's working in your heart. Second thing, find one thing in the Bible that you struggle with the most. One thing. Taking a Sabbath, giving, dwelling on his word, praying, fellowshipping, and make that the highest priority you have this week. Find one thing in the Bible you struggle with the most and say to yourself, I'm going to dominate that this week. For some of us, it's gossip. 
this week, do everything you can to hold your tongue and say nothing. And even if you think, well, this isn't gossip, if you think that, don't talk. Well, no, it's not gossip. Shh. You know what? I, I really don't understand this whole giving thing. Give 20% this week. Oh, that, that sounds ridiculous. I know. But that's the point. The point is to say fear and anxiety comes when I think I have to keep myself whole and good. When you think you have to keep yourself whole and good, you know what you're saying of God? He doesn't keep me whole and good. God keeps you whole and good. There's nothing the world can take from you that he hasn't already given you. We're playing with house money, people. Let's have some fun. Go bless others. Go pray for others. Go choose one thing that you can do and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I hate this. This feels uncomfortable. I confess to you guys. Here, we're going to have a little bit more confession time. Everybody finds out I'm an introvert, and they're like, no, you're not. I'm like, yes, I am. I I'm going to go home today. I'm going to crash for three hours. And I'll, be, I'll be useless for three hours. I decided long ago, I can't do that on a Sunday morning with people. I can't do that. I must be present. I must be with people. So you know what happened? I, I had to train myself to do so. It's not my first inclination. I, if you invite me to a party... I'll, I'll be the guy sitting on the wall in the back with my arms crossed. You're like, wow, glad I invited you. I'm like, oh, yeah. That's... <laughs> but then I said, I can't do this. I can't be this way. This isn't how God's people act. I must press forward. I must say God has taken everything in the little things, in the big things, in all things. What's one thing you're struggling with that you need to press into this week and double down on it? What's one person that you can't stand that actually what you should do is pray for them and pray they are blessed? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your shield around us. Thank you for anxiety fleeing. Thank you for fear not being around. Thank you for your word that accelerates grace because your son is the word and has made grace full for us. May we be real. May we use your shield. May we press into the battle. And may we not think of ourselves as much as we think of others. Holy and precious name I pray. Amen.